Welcome to Lifting Leaders Podcast, where we are unleashing leader possibilities to make a better world. I'm Crystal Roberts, and together with Trisha Ryan, we're diving deeper into some of the complexities of the world's most critical challenges and exploring innovative ways of navigating through them. Through interviews with experts and leaders just like you, we're exploring what it takes to thrive as a leader today and examining new ways of thinking about how to creatively lead into a more equitable, socially responsible, and sustainable future. And the future starts now. Hi, Trisha. How are you doing? I am doing pretty good. Crystal, how about yourself? I'm doing great. It's a sunny day here. It is a sunny day. And when people listen to this, it might not be a sunny day anymore. <laughs> so we'll right. have to edit that out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it is what it is, right? Yeah. yeah. What are you doing this weekend? Are you going to have some fun? You know, I'm getting ready to go on vacation. So I yes. have things to do to get ready and... Um, and if the weather holds, I've got a few things out in my yard to get done before the weather starts getting really crummy, you know, yeah. and I love crummy, but I love to be prepared for crummy. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's just one of those, um, I don't have, I don't have much else doing this weekend. So we'll see what happens. How about yourself? We're going to the pumpkin patch. Oh, <gasps> uh, fun. <laughs> Very fun. I'm so excited. Um, it's going to be, it's a new pumpkin patch way up past Seattle, mm. up near Maltby, I guess. So um, my daughter invited us up, and so the whole family's going, and that's mm. going to be really fun. This is that time of year, you know, yeah. and it's, it is fun. You know, that's one of the things about Pacific Northwest that I love so much is that every season has that, you know, a pumpkin festival or, you know, just anything. Even they have, you know, festivals for eating different things from different restaurants here. Yeah. You know, I just, I love the involvement. It's just so much fun. So anyway. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. And then we're celebrating my mom's 81st birthday. Oh, I know. That's yeah. lovely. Yeah. But then next week is even going to be more fun. We, my two daughters and I, we're headed to the Pink concert. Yes, I know, and they, you know what? They've got they've got advertisements for it up on, oh, on Instagram they? right now. It's driving me nuts because oh. I will be in San Diego, yeah. but sunny San Diego. Yes, yeah, have fun. Yeah, so I'll ha- next time I have to talk about the Pink concert. Yes, <laughs> I want to hear all about it. Are you kidding? Ugh. So, so. Well, I'm excited to be revisiting our fantastic interview last week with. Nicole Bianchi. Mm -hmm. So fun to have her back with us talking about her new book, her best-selling book, Five Tough Talks, How to Lead Brave Conversations for Exceptional Results. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, we encourage you to go back and listen to that episode. And uh, we're going to be doing a gems here, which means we're going to be diving into just one little topic Mm -hmm. that came up during that conversation that we feel like we can um, take a deeper dive into and also make it a little bit practical for managers to be able to actually, and leaders to be able to implement. Before we jump in there though, I do wanna give one more little shout out for Nicole. I thought, I loved her energy during that that interview. I think that it was so engaging and I just didn't want the time that we had with her to end. And I honestly believe anybody who listens to this, if you haven't listened yet, you won't be disappointed. It was yeah. really good. And this book as a companion to it yeah. was would be just amazing. I really like this book. I, you know, some of the 
I will, I'll just own it. Some of the terms and things are new for me. So um, even though I've been around this for 150 years, it's like just having to learn new stuff. I guess that's what we're supposed to be doing, right? To move forward in this world. So um, I appreciate that. And I, I love the practicality of all this. And I think um, if, if you read it, you'll see there's some simplicity to this. You know, yeah. those tough talks can be so much more more simple, yeah. you know, and much more straightforward. So, yes, let's unpack. Yeah. So the one that we wanted to spend a little time on is the actual first talk that she talks about in the five tough, tough talks, which is how we work. And that's actually mm-hmm. from Chapter 2. And as Trisha and I were talking about what place to sort of dive in, we thought, well, why not start at the beginning? And we really do believe through our years and years of coaching and working with teams that if you don't get this right, it's really hard to get anything else right. That's right. Yeah. So we thought, let's start with the most important and start at the beginning. And it's often one of the most overlooked things, which is, you know, I I think part of that has to do with... um, particular leader's experience, they may not have had this done before with them, right? And so if you don't have a point of reference, sometimes it's kind of hard to know, you know, what that next step is, or you may not see the value in it because you haven't experienced it yet. So this is one of those fundamental, you know, let's let's set a foundation. And once you've done that, you can build on it and it makes life a whole lot easier. And some of these tough talks might not be so tough. Exactly. Yeah. You're building the foundation to build that trust, to be able to have those harder conversations. Absolutely. So I think the other reason why I have found that the groups that I've worked with that skip over this is because they're busy. Mm-hmm. So we're all mm. so busy and we always feel like we're behind. And so when teams come together and you start new relationships, we think we got to get to the work. Let's get to the work. Yes. And when we think about that, we have to think getting to the work this is getting to the work. This is the step that helps allow us to do all of the other work. But it's not just about diving in and solving problems. Right. It's how we work together. Yeah, it's, you know, I I always think about how people skip steps when they say they're busy. Yeah. You know, it's a perception. It really is. I have seen so many times, and I've been in groups where we were so busy that we spun yeah. We never got anything done or we got things done, but it was like yeah. at a lot of expense, right? Yeah. Either spent expense of time or expense of money or just, you know, just the spinning that um, created like disengagement. I mean, there's so many weird things about that by not just doing something right in the front end and spending the time when you're busy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I thought it was interesting in the episode, in our interview mm-hmm. with Nicole, when she shared how she sort of starts this conversation to help people understand why it's important. And do you remember that activity that she had people do? She gives the word bear. Yes. And then she has them write or draw a picture of what they think about when they think of the word bear. Bear, And there were all these different things that people came up with. Yeah, that she all said meant bear. Some of them were animals. Some of them were cupboards that had nothing in them. Some of them were naked people. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah. like, you know, bear means a lot of things. But yeah. how I think that was so clever. Yeah. You know, it really was clever because it gets everybody seeing that not everybody hears things the same way. Not everybody yeah. drinks in the same 
information the same way. And until you find that out, yeah. you can go forward thinking you're being very clear in your communication. Yeah. And you may be missing half of the people who are listening. Yeah. Because they just don't see it the same way. So yeah, yeah it's um I loved that exercise. In fact, I'm probably gonna steal that one. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So when we think about a conversation about how we work, there's a couple of different things in the book that she sort of puts these in buckets. Mm-hmm rules and routines and rhythms. So as we think about the different areas for people to talk about when we think about creating these how we work guidelines kind of falls into those three things. How mm-hmm. are we going to set a, a set of agreements? Those are the rules. Set a set of agreements that are ways to hold each other accountable and are, t- are intended to help you deliver on the strategy and goals, rules outline a set of behaviors that challenge you in new ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And then the next one is routines, which is really about those um, actions, so repeated actions and behaviors and reinforcing all of that, that, that is a, an expectation. You know, how, how are we going to work together? How are we, what, what are those acceptable behaviors that, and what are the ones that aren't? How are we going to work with each other? They are a way of of living out the rules or agreements that you made, and they help you see the routines in action. Yeah. And then that last bucket, rhythms, these are how often a leader connects and gains feedback about how well the rules and routines are working. Mm -hmm. So what are the rhythms at which you will actually sort of revisit these and make sure that they're working? And also when we think about new people joining a team or someone leaves a team that always creates a whole new team and we have to revisit these and make sure that they still work and if we have a new person join really understand what do they mean when we start to talk about these rules routines and rhythms i totally love what you just said and the reason is i've I've actually had a couple of conversations about this lately Um, in teams that have had a bit of turnover and they've taken on new members and the expectation in one team. And, and, you know, I understand it because of the fact they haven't had a lot of um, turnover before. So in the turnover, the, when the new people came on, it was almost an expectation that they'll, they'll get on board. It'll happen. And my pushback was that it may not happen. And so anytime there's a new member, even if it's just one member on a very large team, it's important to go back to the beginning and say, what are those rules that we have that we live by? Because everybody needs to be on the same page, right? What are the routines that we, what are those behaviors and how are we going to hold each other up to those behaviors, right? Yeah. And how often are we going to revisit this to make sure that we're standing on it? It's, it's not just when a new member comes on. I am a big believer that when you have operating agreements, ground rules, whatever you want to call them, put them on the wall, Yeah. visit them every meeting. You know, is there anything that we need to change? Is there anything that's not working for us anymore? Is there something we want to add? Yeah. Right. Because that's what keeps the dynamic alive for the team. You yeah. know, that's how they, those are those agreements. And unless you do that, often those things hit the back burner, possibly fall off the back of the stove and yeah. people start acting in more of a, oh, kind of a knee jerk way when things aren't going really well. Um, and that's not acceptable when an agreements tell you you do something differently, right? Yeah. So, so I thought maybe we'd talk a little bit about 
our experience with helping teams set agreements Mm -hmm. and what are some of the agreements just as examples that people come up with. So just to give a flavor for that. Mm -hmm. And so for myself, I was thinking about a team who had not set the agreements up front. And as a consultant, I spent about three months Mm. working with this team to try and get clear about, well, what are their working agreements? And then to unravel, how did we not meet those? How did they not meet them? And then what's their hope for the future for being able to meet those? And how will they go about doing that? But because so much sort of so many bad habits had been formed, so many um, sort of violations of Mm -hmm. the unwritten, the ones that were in their head and they were holding people accountable for but hadn't been actually stated. Mm -hmm. So those had been violated for people. And so getting those out and having people talk about that and talk about why it was important to the team, that's what helped them to move forward. So three months. Yeah. Yeah. What a long time to mm-hmm. to do something that could have been done in a couple of hours, maybe, yeah. or in less time than that, even yeah. on the front end. You know, that's that's the consequence, isn't it, of not doing it on the front end. You have to you have to do it on the back end or on at some point when a lot of mistakes have been made, a lot of assumptions have been um, assumed or, you know, yeah. a lot of assumptions have been adopted and that in itself is, is what happens a lot. I think it, yeah. it's sort of the, the bad thing is that we, we operate by assumption. A lot of times we forget that, you know what, my, I know my story is true in my head. However, yeah, it doesn't seem to be true for everybody else. So yeah. how do I bust those assumptions? Right. Yeah. You ask. Yeah. So, and the stories that get made up, right. Yes. So we try and make sense of why we're feeling bad in a, in a team and what's mm-hmm. happening we're making stories up about why somebody's doing something or how come they don't um, get that to me on time and what happens when they don't get that to me on time. That has such a huge impact on retention too when you think about it. It's like, you know, people who have those stories going on in their head, those thinking, they're thinking because they don't get it from any kind of an agreement. They haven't heard it and the whole team hasn't articulated and, and that then festers for some people who may have one thing that isn't yeah. making them happy. Yeah. One thing. And if that one thing could be addressed, that might put all of that to rest. But yeah. instead, by not doing an upfront setting the foundation, what happens often is that'll fester. Yeah. And then they'll become disengaged or complacent. And the next thing you know, you have somebody who is not one of your better performers, or you have somebody who leaves because they've got a better opportunity somewhere else that is much more nurturing. So it's it's important to, to do this on the front end. When you think about the types of agreements, what kind of examples mm. have you seen that people have come up with? And I know it's very different for every team, but just to give a flavor of yeah. ones that have kind of maybe popped up in a lot of groups. Sure. There are agreements that can be done for a meeting, and there are agreements that can be done for a team. And I usually try to to lean towards how are we as a team going to work together? It's yeah. much more long-lasting, right? It could be as simple as there are no stupid questions, Yeah. right? Or when somebody's talking, we all listen. Yeah. Or everybody's input is valuable. Yeah. 
or it can be holding people accountable. Like how will we hold each other accountable? Yeah. You know, when I'm not doing something that I've agreed to through the team agreement, um, how are you going to hold me accountable? What, what is going to be acceptable for all of us to do? Right. And then how are you going to recognize each other when something is done well? You know, how are you going to hold each other up when something's not working well, but, and people need help. Yeah. Right. If you see something and you don't know uh, what it's about, ask about it. You yeah. Know, don't just assume that it's going to happen. Silly. There. Those aren't silly questions, but they're. You know. They're simple. They don't have. Um, they seem a little more. I think general in some cases, mm-hmm. but every team defines that differently, right? It goes exactly. back to the bear. <laughs> right. Issue, yeah. Right? So I hear a lot of times when we first sort of introduce this topic to people. It's like, well, we're all professionals. We don't need to talk about this. You know, we just, we need to be professional. Mm -hmm. But what is it to me, what does it mean to be professional? That's right. So what it means to me is different than what it means to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And the other one that often gets thrown out is respect. I want to be respected. We need to show respect for each other. And what are the actions that support that, right? Yeah, what are the the actions and what are the behaviors? Like how, Mm -hmm. how do we know, what does respect look like? And being able to really get granular on that and define it. And what's interesting is when you get granular, just like we were talking about with the bear, it's very different yes. for different people. And part of that is just related to who we are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that that's it exactly. It's getting it's it's semantics in a way, right? Mm-hmm. It's getting down to that level to say, yes, if we have to come to some agreement on what one word means. Yeah then we've made progress. Right. You know, because that is often the issue. If everybody's coming from somewhere else and they have different, you know, varying degrees of experience or even attitudes about things based on their past, it's, and their values, even their values. So if that's the case, we're all coming to the table with different things. How, how can we assume, which I don't like to do, but how can we assume that everybody sees it the same way? Yeah. The only way to do that or, or to get people to one central agreement, whether it, whether it is their own or not, if they, yeah. can, if they can understand at some point, then that is the, that's the exercise yeah. is getting there. Because once you have that, people will be able to communicate more, more clearly. Yeah. They'll have a better understanding of how somebody else sees something. Yeah. You know, that's why all of those wonderful assessments that are out there, you know, like yeah. MBTI mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and personal strengths and stuff and strength finders, TKI they are and, yeah. all about trying to get us to a point where we see, we are able to identify how other people communicate so that we can c- communicate with them more effectively. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, confidentiality is another one that oh, comes to mind. Absolutely. So we, you know, oftentimes we'll see people, yeah, yeah, confidentiality, write it up on the flip chart, right? Or put yes. on their mirror board, yes. right? And then nobody knows what does that actually mean? Like, can I talk about what's actually happening in mm-hmm. this meeting? Can um, I tell stories about other people as long as I don't use their name? And, you know, it's like we have all these stories made up. It's like, no, you can't tell other people's story, even if you don't tell their name. Right. Because it it gets tracked back. So having a conversation about what do we mean by confidentiality? Mm -hmm. Does it mean everything is confidential or nothing is unless we say it is? Right. So those And what is confidential? Yeah. I mean what is not not what is the what what topic is confidential, but what does it mean? Yeah. What does it look like? It's the same thing going back to the behaviors or actions that support that. Everything needs to be 
defined in a most granular way. And while that seems like it would be for a busy team, um, too much time on the front end, you get that on the front end and everybody can work together now from this point forward. Yeah. But if you don't do it at this point, to your point, you'll be spending three months trying to get them to unpack all of those assumptions and misconceptions and all those things that they've had for all this time between the beginning of their team to this point where you come in and intervene, right? Yeah. It becomes an interventional thing. Yeah. Right? And yeah. it's usually assigned once there's been a conflict or once something has gone wrong. So why go there? Yeah. Brene Brown also has a Mm -hmm. lot of good ones too. One of the ones that comes to mind from hers is we have the conversation in the room and that can be a really hard one. So when we leave, no more agreements, no more decisions, no more chit chat, um, you know, putting each other down or Mm -hmm. what happened in that meeting outside the actual meeting. If you've got an idea, if you've got a grievance, it's going to happen here in the meeting. And that can completely shift a team's, how they work together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, you know, I love that idea. I I can envision that being a time-consuming thing for in some cases, especially mm. if there is conflict going on, right? Yeah. But it's worth the effort. Yeah. It's really worth the effort because people are airing it where it needs to be aired with the people that the conflict might be with, right? Yeah. It's it's goes back to, and I know we're kind of getting off stream, but we're not, is when, when there's a conflict between two people, yeah. you don't want to bring in another person to help mediate that. That's triangulation. And that person, that third person, now becomes the person who defends or tries to, you know, support and ends up being taking sides in some cases but in the end that third person is doing all the work yeah because the two people in conflict have kind of unloaded that issue on that third person and so that is an agreement that i would want to make sure on the front end that we had total closure with get it in the room and get people talking to each other across the table about whatever the issues are um, as opposed to bringing in a third party and and making that uh, prolonging that process for in some cases forever yeah. Right. Another area for people to think about is how we make decisions. Yes. So getting agreements on that and then being really explicit about that. It's like as a leader, I've got a couple different ways I make decisions. One is I'm going to get your input. One is I'm going to let the team make the decision. And, or maybe we're going to do it together. It's collaborative. I'm going to listen to you. You're going to listen to me and we're going to make it as a group. So lots of different ways, but thinking about What are the team norms around Mm -hmm. how we make a decision? You know, constructive arguing is another thing that I think is really important. I've been in places where people, a a raised voice actually sent an entire team of people Mm. kind of pushing back away from the table going, wow, you know, that's like really uncomfortable. And yet... I've worked in organizations where it was an expectation that as you're doing um, creative problem solving and all of that, that if you get into a little heated discussion at the table, that was probably okay as long as agreements were made at the front of, at the beginning of the meeting, another time you have agreements, right? That it's okay to do that because it's not to get people angry. It is to get, it's to sometimes um, just conversation across is not enough to help people unpack the 
whatever, their investment, their, their passion or whatever. And sometimes knowing what their passion is helps to unleash some of the things that might be a problem with that. Yeah. And others can actually see that, but they can't see it as long as you're just talking about it like this. Yeah. So it's not that I'm a big um, supporter of having an argument at every meeting, but I have been in meetings in organizations where that was, it was almost an expectation, but we also had some really amazing output yeah. from it. And people did not leave angry. You yeah. Know, it was just, it was the culture. And so culturally, I don't want to have anybody be violent or, you know, angry or, or dismissive or anything like that. There were ground rules around how that would happen and it worked pretty well, but people have to understand it. Mm -hmm. And that goes with any of the foundational ground rules, whatever, people have to understand right. what's going yeah. on. Yeah, we have to be really clear. That clear is kind, as Brene Brown would say. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, we start we start there. The other one, which is a little more equity focused, uh, but should really apply to everyone, is that we respect everybody's experience mm. and that we accept that whatever their experience was, was their experience. We don't try and talk somebody out of what they think and they believe and experienced. It's their reality. It right? is their reality. And so I'm, yeah. not, I'm not here to redefine your reality and it's no. not up to me and it's not my business. No. You know, but I can appreciate where you're coming from. I may not always understand it, yeah. but I do appreciate the fact that I don't have that same background, but that is interesting and something I didn't know before. So it's, it's learning, right? Yeah. And that's, isn't that what we're hoping for in when we take on an equity lens is that we're going to learn about each other's differences and each yeah. other's uniqueness and each other's gifts so that we can get a little closer to a middle ground with respect to um, respect and honoring. Yeah everything yeah. that we bring. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. We just hold the space for people to, to tell their story. Yeah. So I hope that gives a flavor for our listeners of just some of the group agreements around how we work, what some of those might come up uh, for people and it's going to be different for every team. Mm -hmm. So whatever makes it work for you and your team, that's the, that's the right answer. There's, you can't just like buy it off the shelf as what I would say. It's custom to you yeah. and what matters to your team. And as we kind of opened, we said, these are things that we need to revisit. So on a regular basis, you need to go back and actually say, are these working for us? Mm -hmm. What are we doing really well? What are the areas where we need to spend a little more time? To your point, I do want to encourage people to make it unique to them because off the shelf uh, responses typically are respected about that much too. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, okay, well, we got that from a book. Yeah. Right. Right. I Googled it. <laughs> yeah. There it is. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's what we have to do. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to the book, one of the things I really love about this book is that she has these sections that actually give you like questions mm -hmm. or conversation starters regarding whatever the tough conversation is. And so in this, how we work, we've got some questions, 15 questions to ask to build a strong relationship one-on-one, -on -one, and then also 11 questions to ask to intentionally set agreements on how we work. And so we're not going to go through all of those. Mm -mm. You can buy the book and see all of those. But we thought we'd talk about our favorite ones from each of the lists. 
So Trisha, what was your favorite on the one-on-one questions to ask to build a strong relationship? Oh, thanks for asking. I loved actually most of these questions. Some of them I'm going, um, <laughs> I'm not sure I could ask them. The one that really resonates with me is the one question on, on a scale of one to 10, how happy are you with your current job duties and position? What is one small move you could make to move it up one? And I like the second part of that question a lot, or the second question. The first question, I just want to caution leaders who ask that question of people to ask questions of your group like that. You know, ask it, if you ask it one-on-one, you may be, oh, opening up a situation where someone starts worrying about their job. And I get, and just, I have an example of, of where that has happened, not in recent time, but happened in the past where a leader never asked that question, never had a lot of one-on-ones with people except to just, you know, what do you think you're doing well? What do you need to do? What do you need from me? That kind of thing. So, um, so when the person was asked that question, they left that beating feeling absolutely nervous about the future of their job. They wondered if their boss is asking if they're happy in their job, is something going to happen? Mm -hmm. Is, is my job in jeopardy? Is, do they not like what I'm doing? And they're, this is just their way of getting me to kind of know that. And that's what happens with us when we don't have enough communication, we spin, right? And, and it's just not necessary. You know, especially when, you know, everybody comes to the table to add value. So knowing what makes them happy is, it goes to love and work. You know, if if my boss knows what makes me happy, I'm probably going to get opportunities where I may not have that as my full-time job, but I might get to practice that in different settings more often so that I'm actually doing what I love more often, right? Yeah. And so these questions are great questions, and this one is a good question, but I would ask it of a group, you know, what is it um, on a scale of one to 10, everybody in the room, Yeah. you know, how happy are you with your current job duties yeah. and position? I keep yeah. forgetting to say, it's on the next line, that's why. Um, but it's it's important, and then, you know, what what would it take for to move that up one more notch. Yeah. What, in other words, what do you need, yeah. right? So yeah. I like that question, though. I like that question, too, a lot. Um, and I think you make a really good point that any time as a leader, you know, we're learning and growing, mm-hmm. but any time as a leader that you are, you know people will see a new behavior, it's really helpful to explain it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, exactly. hey, I went to this really cool class. I listened to a really fantastic podcast called Lifting Leaders Podcast. There you go. <laughs> and I'm inspired to try something new. And so I'm going to experiment with that with you. And people then sort of can relax and like, oh, I know. I know why they're asking me this question then. And, you yeah. know, that's vulnerability in the at its best. Yeah. You know, especially when there's a leader who is is learning a skill or trying to improve on a skill, right? Yeah. Let everybody know about it because they can be your best supporters. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Just let me know if you're not seeing this. I want you to tell me, you know, what you're not seeing or, or what not what you're not seeing, but what you are seeing and how that's landing with you. That gives me information as your leader. Yeah. That I'm either hitting my mark from what I learned uh, on what I learned or I'm not. And so what do I need to adjust? So I appreciate that feedback. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Um, the one from the one-on-one list that I really liked yes. was what accomplishments in your career are you looking forward to mm-hmm. in the year? And I thought that was really uh, cool because that's a very hopeful conversation. This is what the person is really hoping is going to happen this next year. And that generates energy, engagement, yeah. enthusiasm, and really helps people to see this is why I'm staying. This is why it's important that I'm here. And this is the value that I can bring. So I, lo- I love that conversation. It's that eye on the prize, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like if you're looking at the goal you know, from the beginning of the year and not at creating the goal and putting it in your, you know, your performance management document and then not having any connection to it. If you have this vision of what you want to accomplish and what that would look like, and and you could even craft it as you go along. But if you have that at the beginning, you now have that goal in mind. You now have um, a more of a connection to the goal. It's not just something you wrote. I love that. I think that would be just so cool. And it would be very engaging. Yeah. So how did, what did you find on the, how we work 11 questions to ask, to intentionally set agreements? I chose, how can we let each other know we have each other's backs? So what a powerful thing. And I I, I like this one because I think it's so impactful, but also because we don't talk about it. This is one Mm -hmm. I can just name a couple of times in my entire career where we've had a conversation like that. And it really bonds the group together and especially – once people know what it is, then they can intentionally do it. Yes. And so it's just this really great, uplifting conversation that you can have around that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a connector, right? Yeah. I mean, it connects people. It gives them insights into what a person values, right? Yeah. What is important to them. And you get to say it yourself, right? Yeah. So it gives it gives others um, a good sense of where you're coming from and what what matters and and how important that is right yeah so how about for you trisha i went with what do you need from me to be successful here's what i need from you and to me that is an upfront at the beginning and then probably at least a few times a year just to make sure or whenever there's a um a disconnect but for a leader to have that conversation on the front end, what do you need from me to feel successful? Yeah. You know, I want to make sure I'm supporting you. Yeah. You know, what can I do to support you? That's another way to say it, right? But what do you need from me is better. It's more powerful because yeah. when you ask somebody what they need, it conjures a different vision for the person who's been asked. And often they'll come up with a better answer than yeah. what do you need from me in terms of support? Yeah. Um, or how can I support you? The other one is, here's what I need from you. That is so, so important. There are so many times when that that is a disconnect because the employee might not understand exactly what the leader needs. And so they start, it's like putting on a blindfold and giving, you know, putting somebody, a blindfold on somebody, giving them a dart and, you know, turning them around once and say, okay, now hit the target. Yeah. You know, it's, never going to happen or if it does it's really going to be a fluke right yeah you you need to to set that that foundation for them to understand what you as a leader need from them yeah and it needs to be specific enough that they can actually put action to it if you just say oh i need your undying to support 
or I need you to, you know, just, just really do your best work. Well, what work is it that you're exactly asking me to do here? Because yes, I know what my job role is, but what is it you're seeing that you like that you want to see more of? And what is it you don't like that you want to see less of? That's feedback. But it is also setting a tone for if I trust you as my manager or as my leader, I'm going to always want to do what you like or what you need, right? I'm going to always do that. So that's why I like that. Yeah, it gives people the opportunity to actually rise to the occasion and actually do it because they know what they need to do. Yes. Yeah, well, (laughs) it seems simple, doesn't it? (laughs) It does. I think about this, and I've said this before, when people come to a business, they don't come to the business just for paycheck and benefits. Often that is, you know, that might be something that they consider and it might be the thing that got their foot to the door, but they want to do their best work and they have certain things that they really love doing. And if that job description shows some of that stuff in it, then they may just be in the right place, right? Yeah. But but they have to understand once they get there, you know, what's expected of them and what, what good looks like to the leader. Yeah. So that they can bring their best work every day and still get what they need to feel that they are in the right place and adding value in the world. Yeah. And so the how we work together is an important part of that conversation, Absolutely. the how. So we'll, we get to the what, but before we get to that what, we get to the how. Yeah, love that. Wow. Yeah, so there's <sighs> so much more goodness in this book, Five T- Tough Talks by Nicole Bianchi. We encourage you to go out there, buy the book, to listen to the episode prior to this one mm-hmm. where she goes into more depth into all five of the tough talks. This is just one chapter, folks. There's a yeah. lot more in this <laughs> and book. And we didn't even cover all of what's no, in the chapter. <laughs> yeah. So we, we encourage you to try out. If you haven't done it, try out developing some of these working guidelines, mm-hmm. how we work, group norms, whatever name you, you use. Yeah. Try it out. Experiment with it. Tell your team why you're doing it. <laughs> Set the context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, you'll see there's really some magic that happens with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really does make sense to do this as soon as possible. You know, the beginning of the year is not going to be too, it's not too far away. And not that we always want to make the beginning of the year um, the one and only time you can do things, but it's a great time to start fresh, you know, for a new year and say, let's, let's, we're going to, you know, stir things up a little bit. Yeah. Let's start looking at our team differently. We want this team to be as seen as strong by other people as, as we feel it is, or we want it to be stronger because we are awesome. Yeah. You know, we bring a lot of richness to this organization. Let's make sure we feel that way within our team. Yeah. Know? So let's keep that conversation going. If you have questions or comments about the show, you can find us on all our social media channels at lifting underscore leaders. We have so many exceptional podcast episodes coming up with more fantastic guests. So be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. If you know someone who would find this episode inspiring, share it with them, text them, email them, or take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram and tag us at lifting underscore leaders. If you'd like to know more about us, our guests, or the show, please go to our website at liftingleaderspodcast.com. You'll find show notes there as well. If you're looking for help in developing your 
your leaders or would like a growth opportunity yourself through coaching, please contact us through our website at www.liftingleaderspodcast.com. Thank you to Ari Chance Roberts for his technical support of our show. Finally, please take 30 seconds and follow us. It helps you because you never miss an episode and it helps us because you never miss an episode. To follow us, go to Lifting Leaders Podcast Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. Then just tap the plus sign at the upper right-hand corner or click on follow. While you're there, if you're willing to give us a five-star rating and review and share the episode with a friend, we would be so grateful. Thank you, Crystal, for another fun episode. It was a lot of fun today. Many thanks to you, our listeners. We appreciate you so much. Find ways every day to lift each other up. Have a great week. We'll edit that out. Uh, I just went out of my Every voice matters. <laughs> no. Where did I put the piece of paper? I did my best work when I'm not being recorded. Bye.